Behind Spectacles is a fantastic play that was written in 1945, but set in 1912. And this podcast will tell you a a summary of the play. So the play begins in 1912 uh, and the Burling family are having a dinner party. Arthur Burling, who is the dad and the head of the household, toasts to the impending marriage of his daughter Sheila to his son-in-law-to-be, who's called Gerald Croft. Sheila jokes with Gerald about how distant he's been recently. Now, this is important. Gerald just says that he was occupied with his business, the manufacturing company that his father owns. We learn that Gerald Croft's business are direct competitors to the Burlings' business. And Arthur Burling believes that the marriage of Gerald and Sheila will help to bring the two companies closer together. Sheila and Gerald tell each other how lucky they are to be engaged and Gerald gives Sheila a ring and Sheila vows to keep it with her forever. Arthur Burling then tells the couple that despite there being news to the contrary, he thinks that the world in 1912 is in a really good place that business is about to pick up, that the Germans don't want war, and that there's a brand new ship that is completely unsinkable that's about to travel from the UK to New York in five days. Now, a 1945 audience would appreciate that business certainly didn't look on the up. The Germans, in fact, did want war in 1912, and the ship called the Titanic, well, we know what happened there. After dinner then, the rest of the family leave Arthur and Gerald to speak privately while drinking port. And Arthur talks to Gerald and says that he might be offered a knighthood soon, so long as his family stay out of the press and behave themselves. And they have a little giggle at that. Arthur is particularly happy about this because Lady Croft, which is Gerald's mum, thinks that Gerald might be marrying down socially and choosing Sheila for his bride. Because even though the Burling family are wealthy, they don't have a title like the Croft family do. So Arthur tells Gerald that the knighthood would be particularly impressive to his mum. Eric comes into the room and Arthur tells Eric and Gerald that it's important that a man looks out for himself and his own family, but nobody else. He says that in 1912, there are some cranks and critics who argue that everybody should be responsible for looking after everybody else. And he urges Eric and Gerald to mind their own business, just look after themselves and they'll be fine. At this point, Edna, the maid, comes into the room and tells Arthur that there's a man at the door who wants to speak to him. And this man is a police inspector. The inspector comes in and says that he's, his name is Inspector Ghoul, G-O-O-L-E. Arthur says he's never heard of him before and Arthur takes this opportunity to mention that he's been an alderman, he's been Lord Mayor and he's been a member of the bench before. So he's sort of showing off a little bit really about his status in the town. The inspector says, no, we haven't met. The inspector then tells Arthur that a girl called Eva Smith 
committed suicide earlier that evening after swallowing disinfectant. Eric is particularly upset about this and Arthur admits that it's quite a difficult news to hear. The inspector then asks Arthur if he's ever heard of Eva Smith and Arthur says the name might be familiar but he's not really sure. The inspector takes out a photograph and shows Arthur the photograph only. He refuses to let anybody else in the room see the photograph at this point. And his reasoning for this is that if he questions multiple people at the same time, it might cause confusion. Arthur then remembers Eva Smith and he says that he employed her in his factory, but he had to let her go in September of 1910. So two years previously. Gerald then says that he would will leave the room because things are getting a bit awkward. But the inspector asks him to stay. At this point, we don't know why. Arthur then tells the inspector that he had to dismiss Eva Smith in a very straightforward case. And he says that because it was so long ago, he can't accept responsibility for what has happened to Eva Smith today. The inspector then says, though, that what Arthur did was initiate a chain of events that led to Eva's death. And Eric interjects that just before the inspector arrived, his dad was talking about how you should only look after yourself and your own family, but not all society. And Arthur's a little bit upset that Eric brought this up at this point. Arthur says the reason why he had to dismiss Eva was that she was on a normal wage but she joined up with some of the other workers to ask for a raise of three shillings per week. Arthur said no because it would cut into profits and the inspector asks Arthur why he said no. The girls apparently went on strike, Eva Smith and the other girls went on strike but it lasted two weeks and at that point, the labourers were allowed to come back at the old wage. But Eva wasn't offered her job back because it was a punishment because she was one of the ringleaders of the strike. Gerald says that Arthur did what he had to do as the owner of a business. So Gerald actually backed up Arthur Burling there. At this point, Sheila comes into the room. And the inspector tells Sheila that a girl named Eva Smith, who was 24, has killed herself. And Sheila's quite upset by this. Sheila's also shocked that Arthur, her dad, fired Eva after the strike. Then the inspector starts to question Sheila. She says she doesn't know of anybody called Eva Smith. The inspector mentions that Eva Smith, after being sacked from Burlings, went on to work at a clothing store called Millward's. And Sheila says that she has shopped there before. She asks to see Eva's picture and again the inspector shows only Sheila a picture and Sheila instantly recognises the girl in the photograph. Arthur Burling is quite annoyed that the inspector has upset his daughter and Sheila asks the inspector if he knew all along that Sheila knew Eva but he doesn't answer her question. Sheila's involvement then, she got the girl fired from Millwards. She had Eva Smith fired. Sheila was shopping there in January of 1911 and she tried on a dress that was particularly unflattering and she said that she noticed Eva Smith smirking and giggling at her in the corner. Sheila was very angry and said she wouldn't come back to the store unless Eva was fired. So Sheila, upon hearing this story again, is quite mortified to hear that her actions might have contributed to the death of Eva Smith. 
The inspector then tells the room that Eva actually was working under the name of Daisy Renton rather than Eva Smith. At this point, everybody leaves the room apart from Gerald and Sheila. Now, when the inspector mentioned the name Daisy Renton, Sheila says that Gerald instantly recognised the name. And Sheila asks if this girl was the girl that he was seeing in the spring and the summer when he'd previously claimed to have been busy at work. At this point, Gerald admits to having an affair with a girl called Daisy Renton. He asks Sheila to not tell the inspector, but Sheila says the inspector probably already knows. And this is the end of Act One. At the start of Act Two, the inspector comes back into the room where Sheila and Gerald are talking. Sheila says that she believes the inspector already knew about the affair between Gerald and Eva or Daisy. Gerald says that Sheila is becoming hysterical and should be allowed to leave the room. At this point, Sheila warns her mum, Sybil Burling, that anything that she says might become fodder for the inspector's inquiry. And Sybil dismisses this and just tells Sheila to be quiet. Sybil Burling, Mrs Burling, notices that Eric is particularly distressed possibly because he's had too much to drink at the dinner. And this is a little hint that this might be a problem for Eric. Sheila, in fact, mentions that Eric's drinking is a steady problem. And Mrs Burling tries to cover this up. She's quite embarrassed that this has been brought up in front of the inspector. Arthur Burling comes back into the room. He says he's tried to persuade Eric to go to bed because he's too drunk. But the inspector says that Eric needs to stay up because he is also going to be questioned that evening. Now it's Gerald's turn to be investigated. The inspector asks Gerald if he knows a girl named Daisy Renton. Gerald at first says no, but Sheila tells him he has to tell the truth. So Gerald admits to knowing her and he says to Sheila, you should go because you're not going to like what I'm going to say. Gerald says that he met the girl at a bar. He assumed that she was a prostitute at this bar because a, a lecherous old man had cornered her. And Gerald helped her to escape from the gentleman's advances and Daisy Renton was very grateful for this. Gerald says that he arranged for the girl to live at a friend's apartment while the friend was away for business. Gerald then says that initially he didn't support the girl in order to have an affair with her but in the end, they did end up having an affair that lasted for quite a few months. Gerald always knew that the relationship would end, and so did the girl. And by the beginning of September 1911, he told her they couldn't see each other anymore. He says that he did what any man would do in protecting Daisy Renton, and he doesn't regret the time that they shared together. He tells the inspector that he lost contact with Daisy Renton. And the inspector says that in her diary, she wrote that she'd gone away for two months to the seaside to have a think about what had happened between her and Gerald. Gerald asks the inspector if he might go outside to collect his thoughts. And the inspector says yes. Before he goes, though, he and Sheila have a conversation. Sheila says that she's still angry at Gerald, 
but not as angry as she was because at least now there's no secrets between them. Gerald leaves the room and the inspector speaks to Sybil Burling. Sybil Burling thinks that the interrogation should be over, but the inspector says that she knows something about the girl's death. He shows her the picture and she hands the picture back straight away saying she has no memory of this girl. The inspector says that Arthur has responsibilities as a citizen as well as privileges and so does Mrs Burling. Sheila just tells her mum to be honest because she knows that she recognised the girl in the photo. The front door then opens and closes and the family wonders if Gerald has come back or if Eric has gone out but neither of them enter the room. The inspector then asks Mrs Burling if she's a member of the Brumley Women's Charity Organisation and Mrs Burling says that she is. The inspector then says that she must recognise the girl because she saw her two weeks ago when Daisy Renton, Eva Smith, asked the charity for financial help. Mrs Burling agrees that yes, she did see her two weeks ago and at this point, both Arthur Burling and Sheila are quite shocked. Mrs Burling says that she refused to give the girl any money because of her impudence. The inspector then asks what name the girl was going by when she spoke to the charity. Mrs Burling says she didn't say she was called Eva Smith, she didn't say she was called Daisy Renton, but she said that her name was Mrs Burling. And Sybil Burling was very upset and annoyed by this. And this prejudiced her against the girl's case from the beginning. So this is why they withheld assistance, because she didn't believe what the girl was saying. First of all, the girl claimed to be married and to be abandoned by her husband. And we find out that she was actually pregnant at this point. Mrs Burling speaks quite fiercely about the fact that it's the husband or the father of the child who should be responsible for paying the child's bills and not this charity. So in the end, the young girl agrees that she's not married to the father of her child and she couldn't take any more money from the man because she knew that the father of the child was stealing money to give to her and she didn't agree with that. So Mrs Burling argues that because this girl had changed her story so many times, she didn't know what to believe and even though she knew she was in trouble, she refused to help. Mrs Burling is very adamant that it's the father of the child who has the enormous responsibility for the girl's difficulties and eventual death. And as she's speaking, slowly, Sheila and Arthur Burling slowly realise that it's Eric who is probably the father of the child. And this would explain why Eva Smith called herself Mrs Burling. Eventually, Sybil Burling also realises that Eric is most likely to blame. But at that point, it's too late. She's already been speaking quite harshly about how he is responsible for the girl's death. And at this point, Eric walks into the room and that is the end of Act Two. Act Three begins with Eric back in the room with the rest of the Burling family and Inspector Gould. Eric admits he was very, very drunk on the first night that he met the girl and throughout the other two acts we have had hints that Eric struggles with alcoholism. He doesn't say what name 
the girl gave to him initially, whether that was Eva Smith, Daisy Renton or something else. But he admits to beginning to have an affair with her after he met her at a bar. He followed her back to her room and convinced her to let him in. After a few of these meetings, the girl says that she's pregnant and she needs financial support for the unborn child. At that time, if you weren't married, it would be quite frowned upon for a woman to be having a baby on her own. So in order to get the money, Eric actually steals from his father's company. And Arthur is furious when he hears this. The inspector then goes from person to person, blaming each of them for a share of the guilt regarding this girl's suicide. Arthur fired her two years previously. Sheila had her fired again a few months later. Both Gerald and Eric had illicit relationships with her and Sybil Burling refused help when she was pregnant. The inspector, before he leaves, tells the Burlings that everybody should be responsible for each other and if society is to survive, people must help and look out for one another and not just look out for themselves. He says that now the Burlings and Gerald Croft have to live with their actions for the rest of their lives. And at this point, the inspector leaves. Arthur Burling is extremely worried that there will be a public scandal made of this. And if you remember in Act 1, this is exactly what he wanted to avoid if he was going to get his knighthood. Eric criticises his dad for worrying about his potential knighthood, considering that a girl is dead. And there becomes a bit of a divide between the parents and the children. Eric and Sheila seem very concerned about the girl's death and their involvement. The parents are just thinking about their own reputations. At this point, the family actually begin to wonder whether the inspector is really an inspector at all, as his behaviour was quite suspicious throughout. And Eric and Sheila agree that even if he wasn't an inspector... He did interrogate them and they all were connected to this girl, so it changes nothing. However, Arthur Burling decides that he's going to call up the local police station and find out if this inspector really was an inspector, because this could be his get-out-of-jail-free card. Gerald returns. Gerald says he's run into a police officer during his walk outside and the sergeant told him that there is no officer called Inspector Ghoul. Gerald says that the inspector was a fraud. So Arthur makes the phone call to check with the police station and he confirms that there is no inspector ghoul. Gerald then begins to think about the fact that the inspector would only show the photograph to one person at a time and that actually they all might be speaking about a different person, not the same woman. Arthur then calls the hospital and verifies that actually... No body has been brought in of somebody who's committed suicide for weeks. So Arthur is now convinced that the inspector has completely tricked the family. Sheila then says that regardless, their behaviour and their actions wasn't good enough. That each of them have a lesson to learn from this. And that lesson is that they should be looking out for other people and not just themselves. The phone rings and when Arthur has heard the message, he speaks to the family and he says that the person on the phone has told them that a young girl has just been taken to the infirmary 
dead after swallowing some disinfectant and that a police officer is on his way to interrogate them. And then the curtain falls and that's the end of the play.